popping out of the ground, outlining Grandmom's body. That's when I knew. Grandmom loved the farm so much, it was like she breathed it in, and it became her lungs and mind and heart. I knew the farm was honoring her by sprouting the tiny diamonds. I knew I should have been in awe of the magic spinning around her, but all I could think of was that she was dead. My Grandmom was dead. I kept waiting for her to open her eyes and tell me something like, don't fall into the slugs, or rhubarb is almost as pretty as cabbage. But her eyes stayed shut, and I felt deep in my bones that everything was going to change. I wanted something huge and terrible to happen. I wanted an earthquake to rumble and smash everything. The buildings and the castle and the trucks and the umbrella— I wanted to fall into the roaring lake and sink to the bottom. But the ground stayed still. The plants bent over and flapped their leaves goodbye. Flies and bumblebees and spiders and dragonflies fluttered around her, even in the rain. And I stayed there, holding onto her hand, as the tiny tips of the diamonds glittered. She wore her emerald ring, and I wore mine. We had a lot in common, Grandmom and me. We loved the farm. We preferred to be outside. We both had crooked index fingers on our right hands, and we were crazy about the rhubarb on our farm that tasted like chocolate. I loved Grandmom with every bit of my heart. For about a week after she died, I did odd, maniac kinds of things. I smacked a rhubarb plant and it smacked me back. I yanked out some of the rubies from the learning garden. I threw cinder blocks as hard as I could against the castle walls. Mom tried to help. She put her strong, wiry arms around me as we sat by the weeping cherry blossom tree, thinking, I guess, that if she could hold me in, keep my jittery energy from exploding, I'd start to get over Grandmom's death. Instead, I jumped away from her, away from the tears of the tree, and leaped into the lake wishing more than anything that things could die in our lake, that it was possible to drown, even when I knew full well that nothing ever died inside of it. Eventually I pulled myself out, not even noticing until hours later that my emerald ring, the gift from Grandmom herself, had slipped off my finger. Mom was waiting for me with a big towel and a sad face. I wanted to make her feel better, but I couldn't. I had a riptide swirling inside of me. I went to my turret that night and stared out the window. Grandmom had been dead six days and the lake was still turbulent. The plants had half-mast. I thought that maybe everything was going to die without Grandmom. The plants, the trees, my family, me. But the next day I awoke to find the green mist spread across the entire lake with what seemed like millions of dragonflies threading their invisible fabric. Beatrice, our chef, and basically our second mother, brought me breakfast and told me that she thought the mist was like the farm's coat of armor and that the dragonflies were making it even stronger by sewing their trail of sparks in it. They were making us a shield, in other words, so that our farm would be safe. It worked. Aunt Edith blew through our house that very night. Remember the great author Willa Catherpolly, Aunt Edith commanded as she breezed in. She said, I shall not die of a cold, I shall die of having lived. She reached down and hugged me quickly, then straightened up. Trust me, she said, 
everything will be okay. Now where can I put my coat? By the next morning, the mist had disappeared. The plants had lifted their leaves, and the lake calmed down, and by noon the clouds had gathered and the sky had turned gray. And just like every Monday of my life, it rained at precisely one o'clock. Aunt Edith gave up her amazing life in New York City to come and live on the farm. She's the kind of person who can hang the sun up in the sky at the same time she pushes a mountain out of the ground. She didn't just come back and save the farm, she saved me too. So while I was right that a lot of things would change, now it seems as if the whole world wants to eat chocolate rhubarb, and our farm is the country's number six tourist attraction. A lot has stayed the same, too. Nothing has died in the lake. The truly weeping cherry blossom tree still weeps. And my older sister, Patricia...